Truth be told, my family doesn't say hello or goodbye or introduce ourselves when we get on the phone or start anything. So I'm not going to pretend to do that now either. I'm Ange and I'm just a regular person that was working a finance job for years until I learned tarot and accidentally blew up on TikTok. Now I've learned a little about shamanism and every day I tell people on TikTok not to fucking text them and I'm knee deep in relationship tarot readings and shamanic healing, but I love every minute of Shaman believed that our souls incarnate here in every life in order to clear imprints or trauma that happened in past lives and in this one in order to align with the most healed version of yourself and die a good death, quite frankly, on the day of your choosing from a place of alignment and relationships with other soul ties and other people is how we get there. And that's what this podcast explores, those relationships with others along our journey and our own healing. This first episode is really special because I think our relationships with our moms, a lot of us as women, are the most formative and they set the forefront for our relationships with so many other people in our lives. It only made sense that I wanted to do my mom as the first, I wanted to do my mom, good lord. I wanted to interview my mom as the first, you know, person on this podcast. And uh, I'm glad about my choices. Her name is Kathy. She is 70 years old. She is Norwegian and British by descent. She is a wasp mom, a country club mom. Um, I just love her to pieces. I really do. And uh, I'm glad I have this that we'll always be able to listen to it. Okay, I'm about to cry. Let's get into it. I should also just mention quick, we did go a year and a half without speaking during my healing journey. And I'm so glad that that ended last year. Love you. There. Can I say I've, got it? Yeah, got it. Okay. Why? What do you have to say got it for? Being recorded. It, it is being recorded. Yes, yeah, got it. I look like I'm from Ed Sullivan show, huh? You do. I guess that's good. I don't know why, um, but I when, you, bird. when you record a podcast, for some reason, you have to use a microphone and wear headphones. I think it's just to look more important, though. I don't think it does anything different. Well, it looks very cool. It looks <laughs> very old school. I mean, it, it's like bringing me back to my day. I think the point is that the sound quality is better. I don't know. I'm not sure. Sound is very, sounds very good. What do you usually use? Just your AirPods or? I just like you. I'm, I just talk. Like, just talk. Yeah. I don't know. But I got these things to see. I don't know. To try, attempt In the attempts to be a professional. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. Thank Good you. Okay, yeah. al along that vein, so I'm making, I'm starting out a podcast because my followers want me to, but I thought we could kick it off by you explaining what you think it is that I even do for a job. What, what is this? What am I doing? Or what am I, or what's happening? Any of it. <laughs> do we know? <laughs> we could go viral at this. They may want us to do a weekly podcast after your viewers. You yeah. and me? Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It may be. What do you, when people say, what does your daughter do for work? What do you say nowadays? Like, what do you, how do you honestly answer that? I, I get this, I get this question a lot. So I usually say, you know, I'm really, it's, I'm not very clear. I'm like behind a cloud 
thinking about what she does. But I know it's in the the healing, uh, mystic, um, something. Okay. That's, that's, and I know a little bit about the shaman, the shaman healing thing. Mm -hmm. Don't you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, what, yeah. But I'll tell you honestly what I tell them. Yeah. <laughs> I that, that's what it on the podcast but it's like you know basically my daughter is very very smart and what I think is she gets in, engaged with her client and then listens to them a little and then just tells them what they want to hear like yep you're <laughs> gonna get back with your girlfriend yep and there is no no divine intervention <laughs> no coming that way it's just me and, and the cards not so much pretty <laughs> But you know, yep, you're gonna have a kink or so tomorrow. <laughs> you're so you're a skeptic, you're a tarot skeptic. Well, I, I don't have a good understanding. I'm no. not a skeptic. I, I believe that all these I people know. are believing. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I'm a successful snake oil salesman. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if, the next step would be selling CBD oil. Uh, oh my gosh out of the trunk of my car out of the trunk of your car yeah <laughs> you used to use you spent a you say that as someone who spent a lot of money on different cbd oils might i well, add just two just two <laughs> just but that was when jim was having uh, his uh, cancer yeah so. so that's why we tried it well that's okay so that's kind of that kind of segues to it that a lot of people desperate times call for desperate measures right so a lot of people find their connection oh. to spirit because of rough times a lot of people oh, oh i get that yeah i get that I, I do i know it's it's interesting no i mean it is honestly i don't know if you remember this but what in quarantine i started learning tarot and I didn't quite know how it was working because I was just doing it for fun. And then I would do readings for people, like friends and family. And then yeah. the, they, they'd come to me next week and be like, oh my gosh, that came true. And that was, or I'd be telling them something and they'd say, that's so interesting. My grandfather used to say that all the time. And I'd be like, I think it's coming from him. Because I, you, mom, you know me better than anyone. I literally don't have a thought in my head. I really don't have an opinion or a thought. So the fact that I would be telling, I don't care. I don't care if someone gets back together with their boyfriend or if they take a job or women. Literally. So well, that's how I know it's not me. So then when they said it was true, I was like, well, I don't know how this is happening. So I went for training because I was, I thought I was losing my mind. Well, then you found out you did have some kind of. Well, I found out we all do. Oh. And that's the cool part. The other part is too, is that, did I ever tell you about the thing with Nana coming to me during the yeah. therapy session? Yeah. yeah. That was just like, for me. So when Nana died in 1992, my mother-in-law or my, my, your mother-in-law, my grandmother on my, my paternal grandmother, she, um, everybody on dad's side of the family and even people that weren't had her come to them. Like everyone was like, I saw her in a dream. She came and talked to me. I talked to her all the time and I never experienced that. And I was always really upset because I loved her. And I'm like, well, God damn it. Why <laughs> didn't she come yeah. to me? But I didn't actually believe that that was a thing. And I actually, what I said for years is um, I thought that, especially my father being a proclaimed kind of I wouldn't say he's atheist, but he's um, agnostic or whatever. He doesn't really believe in God. I always thought, how cute is it that he thinks God is Nana? I thought that his experiences with God were what 
he felt like Nana talking to him. I just thought that's, that was how he connected with spirit until the day I was sitting in therapy and I was crying over something and uh, the sun shifted and went, a light went right through the window and it blinded me and I was on Zoom with my therapist and I said, that's really weird. I felt like that was my Nana. And she goes, it's not weird. Go back to that. In this moment, I was crying about body issue stuff at the time. Okay. And about, yeah. I, about it was right after my divorce about like nobody wanted to date me because of how I looked or something. And and she goes, well, what were you saying? That was, why do you know that was your Nana? I said, because I felt when the sun hit me, I remembered her saying, literally what I heard, and, and it's been years since she's been alive, is if they don't like the way you look, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and I go, and, and that's what she would have said. And so, and I, and I, she goes, well, then that's her. And even if it's not, doesn't it, it's not helpful for your own healing to know that that's her. And I said, yeah. Yeah. So from then I kind of leaned in and then I thought I was losing my mind. I reached out to my pastor. I was trying to figure out how is this happening? I thought it was just me. I thought it was really important because I was an empath. I thought, um, but no, we, that's what I learned from finding the shamanic path that we all can communicate directly with our ancestors and loved ones that pass in spirit. And it's really comforting. And sometimes they're showing up in ways that we don't even know, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that that I believe in. Well, I think it's interesting because you went through an atheist phase, yeah. a long atheist phase. And I don't know when you flipped, but it just suddenly, you know, you were going to church and going to church was important. And but for years, you, you know, poo pooed the whole thing. and No, 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 there's nothing. So I wondered what what precipitated that switch? Well, I remember, I remember when I became atheist, remember we were on Christmas Eve, we went to that church in Pewaukee when I was probably like 20. Yeah, uh, where, where the blood of Christ was Chardonnay. That might have been the tipping point for me. <laughs> we, we had a lead. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> we did. We didn't even stay for the end. We just walked right out. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Yeah, I'll never forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, I tell anybody that story. Yeah, we went to this church on Christmas, and the blood of God shed through. We both looked at each other. He's shouting, "Hey!" <laughs> was it a good one? No, it was a bad one. Yeah. Well, okay. So that I just remember sitting there with you, and I remember being like, "Really?" And I remember something Auntie Karen had said in New York that summer got in my head, where she was like, "Naked dead guy hanging on a cross." That just doesn't make sense to me. I'm too smart for that. And so in that moment, I heard her saying that, and I and I was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. I'm and and then for I spent I think the bulk of my 20s thinking religion and spiritual um, beliefs were for uneducated people. <laughs> Honestly, that you had to be kind of dumb. A lot of people believe that. Jim yeah, you had to be kind of dumb. That's Jim what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> until um and I and I continued to believe that until I was um 32 33 and i got pregnant with radley and well, then just that first moment of seeing him on the ultrasound um i felt things in a way i've never felt and i it all of a sudden it just felt so much bigger than me or anything and i knew i had to get my shit together for him and i uh, it, nothing made sense anymore and then definitely when he was born it just was like, okay, I met this person before I'm here. Like, it's all, it was a, now what I know from my training is a soul's remembrance. Um, when something, so a, a person you've never met, even a baby you're having, feels so familiar yeah. that it just, it's, yeah. I think, I think the the act of being pregnant and you've had two kids, but like, and having that baby too, it's just, uh, how can there not be something more? It's miraculous. Absolutely. Right? It is a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. I think a lot of people have your experience where they switch when they 
becoming a parent is like, God, I've got to, I got to get my shit together because I got this little person that's totally dependent on me, you know, totally for everything. Yeah. Uh, I need all the help I can get. So you're going to go to you or you're going to go to, you know, back to church or all of yeah. these things because you're going to use all the resources you, you have. That's what I think. I agree. I feel like you and dad had your shit together way more when you got pregnant. I mean, I know you were 27 and I was 33, but I just feel like from my, I always just assumed you guys just had it like it was that having me wasn't that scary for you because you guys had none on Papa and you had, what was parents, it still? I was also a nurse too. So being pregnant was, you know, it's the medical thing that scares people. It's the medical thing that scares new moms or first time pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of that. God, I, delivered more babies than most people ever see so I mean I understood the process yeah and we were both had good jobs and stable and a new house and you know we we were pretty together we had everything together so it was time yeah I think so when I was a baby I think it went pretty easy for you right it was the postpartum depression with Andy is what made it tougher for everything wasn't it you know I don't think I had that very bad it's just tough for me because Here's the thing. And if you had a second one, you'd know this, but you, like you were two and you and I were just, we did everything, you know, to our days were just, you know, Steve was working. We, I was working, but I was home most of the time because, you know, you only had a babysitter for a couple hours next door. Um, and so you went shopping, you, you just did all my normal things. Well, this baby comes along and <laughs> is our schedule is screwed up I mean yeah. you know I couldn't really go back to that exercise class remember I used to take early clues because he was a baby and and to take two kids and you know he was a baby he didn't talk he didn't do anything except yeah. poop and piddle and I mean you know you, you could talk you talk to people uh, that that was that was the thing just adjusting and oh my god now when he got to be two and you were four then life was good but you know i'm not a baby person number one i'm, yeah. I'm really not that fond of babies <laughs> why why don't what don't you like either just radley what don't you like about them they're just nothing they are nothing they are just they're they're like having a puppy they don't talk and they do the same thing a puppy does yeah Poop, needs to go for a little walk um has to eat at certain intervals and the same time yeah. every day. Um, otherwise, they're not very entertaining. I mean, they they pass gas and you're thrilled because that looks like it's mine. <laughs> you no, go down. It's I fun. mean, if you pass gas today, <laughs> people no. would not be. Oh my god! Like did. Mother, oh my gosh. Well, that's true. I know you've Until always said you you're not. To, uh, you've always said you're not a kid person. Oh, no, I'm just not a baby person. I like and little kids. I don't like, well, I, I like toddlers. <laughs> you hate I teenagers. Did, I did not like teenagers. And I did not like middle schoolers. So there's a very small window. <laughs> but I did work, you know, 15 years in pediatric burns. So I, I, I certainly had to deal with a lot of kids at all ages. So, but I was lucky to have an LPN who loved babies. So Carolyn took all the babies. She did all the babies. We didn't have to do anything with the babies because she all hers. How much do you think? How much do you think the way we parent has to do with the way our moms parent? You know, I think it goes both ways. I have friends who the way they were parented 
they want nothing to do with it. They totally changed it and they're doing a whole different thing because of the way they were parented. For me, yeah. I don't know. I think I kind of did it the same way my mom parented. I think uh, it's interesting. I think you and me and grandma are all very similar and grandma, grandma and me in a lot of ways. But I think the times have just been so different. Each time for each generation. Yeah, like honestly, I know I don't know if you are aware, but the boom baby boomer parents like you get a bad rap because times were <laughs> you did not know. I'll be the one to tell you because times were very different. You guys were busy. Children were supposed to just go be seen and not heard. You had your cocktail hour. You did whatever you were doing. We were you didn't do everything with us. Like you, we were outside playing, or we were told to go. Like dad would say, "Go take a long walk off a short pier," and like go. So it was different versus now we're supposed to nurture and like, you know, all of us parents nowadays that we've got a, this whole attachment thing is like prevalent. We know more, but I just think it was different. Don't you? Or did it not feel like that when you were parenting? We all make fun of you for just putting us outside while you all drink. <laughs> all boomer parents. Yes. You don't know this. Well, I'm telling you, but my parents, um, oh my God, my parents all the time. We were at that neighborhood. We had Joan and Phil, Shirley and Phil my mom and dad. So those three couples, they sat and drank, you know, and we were just told to go outside. Yeah. Well, that's how we, I felt. Then we sit and listen because they tell dirty jokes at 35. <laughs> and if they were inside in the winter, uh, one guy in particular, Dick Afdal would go, are the kids asleep? Are the kids asleep? And of course I was wide awake <laughs> <laughs> to these jokes that quite frankly, I couldn't understand. <laughs> Not the great, all. the greatest generation, my ass. They were just sitting around telling dirty jokes and drinking. Yes, well, that's what they did. That was their yeah. social life because that's... you know nobody went out. The, they, they, there wasn't that much money. No, nobody had that much money. We yeah. didn't go out to dinner. We didn't go on vacations. We, we didn't do any of that. We didn't go out for breakfast. We did not do any of that. Yeah, but you know, one thing. And I, you probably had more than, but you know, in my generation, we had total freedom. Uh, we would leave in the summer at after breakfast and not come home till the streetlights came on. Literally, they had no idea where we were, and we were <laughs> we were in all kinds of crazy places. Uh, around Wilson Street, there was there was a woods with terrible little streams and a lot of opportunity to be dead. I mean, I know. seriously. That's why, they, yeah. I, I rode my bike from Wilson Street to Lake Kiganza to my grandma's house down that highway. That's like I, 15 I, miles in the country. By That's myself. Safe. Yeah. By myself. <laughs> and they didn't even care. Like, bye. You know. What it's well, I think it's I, I think it was funny because when Radley was little, we used to kind of argue about this that we were I was being too overprotective. And you'd say when I was little, we all did and I was like, and some of you died. They're literally <laughs> some no, of you literally. are not here. <laughs> It's not funny, but it is. <laughs> or like some of you had like, massive, like, like there were a lot of kids in your hometown. Because when I was like talking about all the organic food and all those stuff, and you were like, we ate everything, we swam in all the chemicals, and we were fine. I'm like, no, some of you had like deformities and very bad. I don't know. I never heard of them, but I mean, the lake that green that was sewage, and we had a broom down there, and we would just sweep an opening, a big circle, and we'd all jump in and just like keep going like this, treading water so that the seat the I mean, but if you had a cut on your hand or foot and you went in the lake, healed immediately. 
I know. It's weird. It was it's... like a, a reborn again bath. Well, do you know now they know what that is? Because you, you that that same lake, Lake Higanza, is no longer green like that. It's because they've solved the problem. What it was is in the fifties they started using chemicals on the on the farm fields, and it's a watershed. It all ran into the lake, and so that it made all that algae and stuff. And now they know yeah. they know, so they limited it. But you guys were basically mutants. Oh, and you know the farm chemicals that my dad was exposed to all of his life caused all of his parkinson's did they yeah, yeah that's absolutely and he had a, a skin he had a skin cancer like you weren't even born i don't oh think. i remember on his hand that, i remember yeah the hand that was definitely that was from welding for the city of stoughton he mm. did welding and i found i researched a whole bunch of articles that said welders would get that kind of skin cancer that's so interesting so I... lifestyle the chemicals they used back then were plus the fact he almost died when he fell in the silo he really shouldn't he have did lived to have either one of us yeah falling in a silo i remember grandpa telling me that is like a very scary oh, way because the, the fumes get you as you're yeah, sinking yeah yeah it, it's you you just die i don't know how who saw him and i don't remember how i got out but you should have yeah. been dead a lot of near-death experiences wasn't his yeah. time I, so it's interesting. So as much as we bitch, and I'm like on the cusp of a millennial slash Gen X, I probably identify with millennial more than anything, but, um, what age group are they? So I, because I'm born in October of 79, um, it's the cutoff is 1980, you know? So I'm, they call it an exennial because I really am kind of like both. I'm, I'm a weird hybrid, but, um, but you're a solidly baby boomer. And as much as we bitch about, how bad and neglectful so the story is that baby boomers were so spoiled for the first generation to be so spoiled that like you you kind of were more neglectful as parents but it's interesting because your parents really you were not doing anything any different than your parents did you just had more mm -hmm. means probably right yeah definitely so Definitely. like there's that that's the whole thing and and that's and the shamanism teaches you like we're all we're all here clearing imprints of things that stick with us as a people but like pe people really don't change so the times really didn't change as much as <laughs> we think they did no but i think i think radley's generation anybody who grew up during computer kind of you computers were just coming into play mm -hmm. but we didn't have the tracking my god i am appalled watching the news to see that they're putting trackers like on these little kids, their lunchbox, and they know yeah. every step they take all day. That is lack of privacy. I'm sorry. Oh, hold on. Can we go back to, we no, had a, do you no. remember? <laughs> When I was, you would have done it. Then they use Life 360 I would now. Have done you had a system in the 90s where I had a pager. And oh, a yeah, you, had pager. you would page me, and I had to call you at home on the landline with a caller ID from wherever I was so that yeah, the name would I show did do up. that, but that was for safety. That's the same thing as what they No, said. this is being nosy. This is a parent, the helicopter parents, wanting to know every step of their kid every day. I guess. I mean, I, I just think that that that's terrible. Well, it's I wouldn't probably... want to watch you every day. I don't want to sit here and watch, <laughs> watch. Oh, look at she's in algebra now. I mean, woohoo! Yeah. Grandma would have done that. Remember, she's Grandma? Grandma used to track our flights on the um, internet. 
anytime we yeah. flew anywhere, she would watch the the dot. I always Grandma would have flight numbers. Yeah, it's because of fear. It's imprints of it's it's a generational trauma of of being afraid of something bad happening to your kid that makes us. It's our own fear that does that, right? I'm, I'm even anti baby monitors. I think baby monitors they are uh, just calling for someone to hack in and come in and steal your baby. <laughs> Nobody's and, gonna. I guess yes, they I mean, do. I yes, don't you don't know. You don't watch Criminal Minds, I obviously. Don't. I don't well, want to. I mean, they can come in and they they hack into that baby monitor and and the mom goes to check and there's an empty crib. Well, okay, here's, the, I did have a baby monitor in the beginning. Um, I was very nervous. What I did not do is they now sell... Um, because people, I was, I was very afraid of SIDS when Radley was a baby. I'll be honest. I was overly afraid of SIDS. Um, but in this first, they have monitors that you can put down, um, like on a pad and heart monitors to see the second they stop. But I know, but it almost, oh. I didn't, I did not get it only because what I read in the reviews is that it was almost worse because it would just short out and you would almost have a heart attack thinking they were dead and you're going to wake up a perfectly healthy sleeping baby for no reason and traumatize it but yeah i know the people got to remember if there's an industry that can profit off of it they're going to amp up the fear a lot that's why i don't watch any of that shit and i just stay away from it honestly well and why for decades 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 and probably just until maybe 10 years ago i mean both you and andy on your stomach all the time. When you put them in the crib, they were on their stomach. And if you rolled over, you had all kinds of hanging mobiles there and things going on and padded uh, side rails and a little pillow. Now, babies, they have to be on their back because they were all in there. I know, mom, but they were suffocating themselves in those pillows. And well, nobody, I never heard anybody be suffocated. <laughs> it doesn't mean it wasn't true. And, 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 no. And tell me time. So we've got all these kids growing up with weird heads. <laughs> their heads are fine Radley they're on their back I know they wanted Rad to wear a helmet because of that remember and do you remember that. and I said absolutely not because he was colicky and I was like no I would rather him grow up with a fucking slanted head <laughs> than have to deal with a colicky baby that has to wear a helmet and he was always so hot because and he, they I said know. well remember that doctor got so mad at me and I said here's how I know that it's bullshit have you ever seen an adult walking around with a flat head in the back and she was like well i go no it's not no, a thing and she I've said well seen. he might not be you know as intelligent or, or smart or, or he might have trouble with development brain development so his learning won't be you know no, he, can, and, and i said well then he'll he can be dumb but i'm not gonna do the baby <laughs> you are your mother's daughter <laughs> it was ridiculous i don't care then he's there not gonna be a he's not going to be an astrophysicist fine but i'm not going to put a fucking can you do you remember how colicky he was are you kidding me i was barely getting through each day i was not going to put a helmet on him no no he, no it, it, i was scared of him i even think then. right now raising a kid uh, you know um jim's nephew they just had a, a little girl their first baby in a baby shower and the things that they had all these monitors and all this stuff and swaddling and, and you can't remember that little bouncy thing that that rad had in the yeah. doorway can't have those anymore why way dangerous they they're they're hard on their joints <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, God. I, have you seen a five-year-old with a knee replacement <laughs> <laughs> in life i've never seen uh, something. and my grandson is is a perfect picture of this 
Yeah. He can run as fast as anybody. Yeah, he, when he, he wants jumped to. all the time in that jumpy. <laughs> I know he did. I, I, I mean, stop it, people. <laughs> Those were hard to find even when he was little. I think they were phasing them out. I think you weren't. I wasn't supposed to either, but I was like, what? I, but I that's too bad because that's one of the best things. Yeah, that was fun. I don't know. It's so interesting. I think back. What? Do you, so how much, like, by the time I, I was... By the time grandma was older, like, and I was around, she didn't remember. I feel like I didn't hear much of her childhood. Like, I heard what I heard, but it felt so fake and filtered. Like, what do you think her childhood was really like? And her, I think she had a really, really good childhood. She just, she just never believed it. Well, her dad was an alcoholic. Okay, I don't know much about that, but it must have been a terrible time. Yeah, she didn't tell me that until I was like twenty-five. I had no idea because when I he was already sober. He never had a drink in my lifetime. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know, but, but then she told me, um, and then, you know, she had that cross eye, which made her think she wasn't very pretty. She had terrible, terrible self-esteem. Low, the lowest. She didn't, when did, did she it, get a fix? I don't remember her ever having cross she eyes. She did. She got, she had surgery. Finally. Oh, how old was she then? Well, I was probably in my twenties. But okay, not to be weird, but is she grandpa was like the most handsome and I like, mm-hmm. but he, but how did like, I watched so many people who have low self worth struggle with relationships. I don't mean to be mean, but how did she if she was that much of a pity party? How did she even land grandpa? <laughs> Do you know well, what I mean? It was pretty. But yeah, it she was. was. Her, it was her. that. <clears throat> I don't know, but you know, he had Winifred that she always thought that, you know, she's, she was 89 and she's still talking about Winifred. I know. My dad would just shake his head. I was like, really? Do I have to? Whatever happened to Winnie? I always wanted to ask about. I don't know. I mean, I, they, she came to a lot of class reunions until, I mean, they have. And grandma still talked about it. So she lived, did she live in town? Wasn't it just some girl that he dated at the same time as grandma way before they got married? Like. No, it was just Winifred. I don't think he ever dated her. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that my grandma, grandma and grandpa Ed hated my dad. Yeah. Hated him because my dad was a party guy and he mm-hmm. had a, this group of guys, a really nice group of guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, they went out, they went out to the bar uh, that went on Highway 51. I can't remember the name. Um, uh, and so he'd go <clears throat> take my mom out and then he'd drop her off at nine because he wanted to go out with you know mm-hmm. the guys and 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 that and then you know as the years went on my mother always said you know, my, they loved my dad and, mm-hmm. and my mother would would she get mad at him i would leave but i have no place to go because my mom and dad like you best <laughs> <laughs> she was such a pity party I she love terrible i know she had terrible self-esteem I, I mean, I, 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 maybe that's why I'm a princess because I had to turn that around and just, I will not let myself go there. But whenever she got dressed up to go somewhere or do anything, she, do I look like, do I look all right? She, mm-hmm. And I'd go and then my dad would go, stop, 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 just say yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, every day, do I have to go through that? Yeah, yeah, she was. She was. So okay. So when I w- did my directions, like the sh- shamanism training, yeah. Um, one of the parts. So there's one whole direction that we work on ancestral imprints. Okay. Did I tell you about this? No. So <clears throat> we. What it is is 
everybody what i believe and what ancient shaman believed is that we all choose to be born of the parents we're born of like um based on the imprints or trauma that we have in our soul from past lives and i don't know why junie's crying <laughs> um and um <laughs> And she, so when she, she hears me, but she can't see me. I know she loves, she loves Nana. Yeah. So we, she, we choose to be born in the family we're born of, because when you incarnate in this body, you take on the imprints or trauma that are um, in your DNA of your people. So if you think oh. about your family, every family um, all has common hooks or themes that plague us. So I worked on your side of the family's stuff because the crow stuff, I don't feel like really, I, it's just not my stuff. I don't feel as connected to it, honestly. The things that I felt like were holding me back in my life. Um, I Well, I would say at the beginning, I didn't know which side it was, oh, but yeah, as I did the work. So so the things I knew, oh, I, should, I have my notebook. I can tell you exactly what they were. Um, the way I wrote it down for me, oh, I guess I don't oh no here it is i got it um because we really got to think about it it's like what's bugging you what's bugging you the most in your life well what would you say if if you said what are the three like things do you think hooks that bug you the most in your life do you know what the, i mean by hooks that bugged me in the past no just like things in your life common themes that kind of stop you from moving forward in life or frustrate you about yourself or i don't know i'd have to think about that i don't think i had any would that be wrong <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, no, whatever. I, I, <laughs> that's, that's an in itself. But okay, I, well, okay, here's what I did mine on. I had one that was definitely um, uh, not knowing. Oh, no, here's what I wrote it down. Rejection, feeling like people that i want in my life don't especially romantic partners don't want to okay. be in my life that was one of mine and then i had one about like abandonment just feeling like nobody shows up for me you know i always felt like that with you and jared and andy and everyone it's kind of a theme for me right like always it's a victim mentality but just feeling like abandonment like nobody and then the last one i had was about um my weight body and body image those were my hooks, but this isn't what we did it on. Okay, well, the ancestral stuff. Well, so that's what I worked on in shamanism. Like, I cleared all those issues by doing this work. You know what I mean? Did you Cause really? I, yeah, because think about it. Me, old me, I those were problems for me, and they're not anymore, right? That's good. That's like, good. My body is the, is the same, but I, I feel differently about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes, that makes uh, a lot but, of sense. But a lot of these hooks... Oh, I know what the hooks were. Okay, here's what they were. The ancestral ones. Uh-oh. <laughs> here's the three I worked on for our family. Needing someone to take care of me. What Especially is... women feeling like nobody's doing enough to take care of them. Really? You don't see that as a theme in our family? No. <laughs> Explain to me. Like, give me an example. <laughs> you, you're like your face. You just referred to yourself as a princess. Oh, well, no, but still explain to me. Give me an example of, of that. Um, <clears throat> Grandma being feeling like we don't call her enough, so we must not care about her. Oh, or you yeah. feeling like if we're not doing something, we don't. Nobody is giving you enough support. Nobody like my parents just died. You're not being understanding of, you know what I mean? Like just yeah, nobody's yeah. Okay, doing enough to it. care for you. 
Okay. Or yeah. being sad because the holidays aren't the same for you anymore, even though now you have grandchildren, you could, you know, it's, yeah. it's wanting to, everyone to take it. And I'm the same way. I, I want, yeah, I want Jared to do everything for, I want Jared to do everything for me, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of why a lot of our partners kind of echo the whole nothing's ever enough for you. I think we've all heard that you, me and grandma yeah. all heard that. Yeah. I, think I don't so. know about grandma and me, but what? um okay and then definitely, oh, she was definitely that way because she, she would and my mother would get so mad at her because she I, I every time not every time but a lot she would corner me and say you don't do enough for your mother you've got to do this you've got to do that yeah and, and, that, um, and then you guilt the other ones in the family. and then I was like I look at my mom and my mom is like no I, I don't know why she's saying that but I mean that's how she felt that I never did enough right and exactly. you know you're looking at a kid who was maybe only home six hours a day. I mean, yeah, especially in high school, I had to be at school at seven for dancers for an hour. I went to work at the store afterwards. I didn't get home till nine. I, with Norwegian dances, I was traveling in the evenings and yeah. weekends. And I mean, no one was busier than me. I didn't yeah. know what she expected. Yeah, I think it's, I, so I think a lot of it had to do with, um, well, there's, it's, I think that that's a whole, like, there's an imprint of the mother being a perfectionist and, and putting it on your daughter too. And you yeah. don't do it to the boys, you know, no, in the same Jerry way. Jerry had no expectations, no expectations but for him. That's, I found, my, I find myself doing that with Radley and I have to stop myself a lot because sometimes just good enough is fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to, not everyone has to be. And really the times I'm yelling at him the most about the house being disgusting is I'm disgusted with myself that I let it get like that. It's not the nine-year-old's fault, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's the self-awareness to be able to be like, oh, I'm just doing this because, and we all, our mothers all did it to us. How many times, you probably got screamed at for things not being good enough in the house, you know? Well, the only thing, the only thing really, and this, I still do this and Jim just gets crazy. I tend to like, especially in school, like almost all the time, what I wore on Monday, I put in a chair, what I wore on Tuesday, I put on top of Monday, what I wore on Wednesday, I put on top of, of Tuesday. You do? I spot, I, I stacked, I did. <laughs> and then on the weekends, she would make me put it all away. But I find myself, one day I came home and Jim had seven pairs of shoes i think you've seen that picture on facebook on the bedroom floor looking like they're marching over to my bed he lined up <laughs> seven pairs of shoes that were all out in the living room but that's okay it's funny though but we find partners well, it, that it are bothers picky. him terribly i know but it's because we find partners that have the same neuroses as our parents like grandma that would have driven her nuts too i'm sure well i'm sure but well it did it just stack in my clothes yeah was was you know a nightmare yes. yeah well jim's very ocd i mean you know we had that cleaning lady on a friday and saturday he's Joni downstairs just laughs because she, he, she he's vacuuming again and <laughs> but so was grandma like we find people like our yeah like, maybe so we, we continue to play out those like jared and you are a lot alike in a lot of ways you both have yeah. the aries energies of being hyper critical about like you you guys got on me about the same stuff you know yes, we did yeah and it, you both love me very much but just in a it was just like oh it was well, i think we were trying to be helpful but yes. you know that wasn't helpful at the time 
No, I know. Okay, here was the thing. I found the actual list. The three hooks I ended up doing them on for our family were um, an abuse an enabler dynamic. And it was specifically women seem <laughs> very smart, articulate women who seem to find partners that oh. had a, that were somewhat emotionally abusive, if not other things. Oh, like your dad. Well, or even like, um, you know, grandma kind of lucked out with grandpa, but I think grandma and May got into a similar dynamic. Um, <clears throat> you know, well, she was in an abusive relationship, though, with an alcoholic husband. Yes. And then, Aunt, yeah. And then Auntie Judy kind of did, did that. Right. Like, so there's layers of it. And then the alcohol thing is a different topic. But also we all <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol imprints having to do with like, um, yeah difficult relationships with alcohol on all ends. And then the third one was abandonment wounds. So abandonment wounds were, um, were, um, they manifest in different ways. But for me, it was like, I was so afraid something was going to happen to Radley that, or you remember, I used to say, if anything ever happened to you, I would just go drink myself to death or crawl in your bed and <laughs> never leave. Like, honestly, and you guys remember, don't you remember being a little yeah. worried that if anything yeah. happened, like when I was in my twenties, that I wouldn't be okay if something happened to you, you kind of well, knew that. You were worrisome in your twenties. Yeah. And now I'm, and so and then when Rad was born, same thing. I was like, if anything happens to him, I want to get a pack of uh, Marlboro menthol lights. I'm going to go to a bar and I'm just going to drink myself to death, you know? And I don't feel that way anymore. But um, I think grandma definitely had those abandoned wounds. That's why she was had a hard time with us not being there or not calling or not seeing her or. Um... Well, and she felt, I think she had abandonment because Judy's 13 years younger. So my mother was in high school when she was born yes. well, and, and she had to stay home and babysit because grandma and grandpa were at the country club almost every weekend night. Yeah. And so she, I think that that's abandonment on another, you know, angle. Yes, that is actually, it's funny you said that because that's where, um, so that, and then that's where like a lot of that stuff came up for me. And also like, there's a whole thing about physical appearance in there too. Um, so I think I ended up doing them on, I think I did abandonment, abuse, and then physical appearance. I changed it. I didn't do alcohol because the whole physical appearance thing is such a big thing for our family. It's imprints of having to look perfect as a woman, having to look whatever your idea of perfect is. We all kind of had different ideas, but. Yeah, definitely. My mother, definitely. Oh my goodness. You know, just always wanting to know, did she look okay with this? But she did dress. I mean, very, very, I mean, she wore pantyhose every day. That's she ridiculous. Did. You know, she the big Aquanet hairspray. Well, Grandma and May always looked perfect too. She had a little pink shoes, little skirts, and, and cute little flowered shoes, and yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect hair. I mean, it's an imprint. But so, what was interesting? So, what we do in this work, um, in your when you're doing the directions, you journey. So, journeying in the shamanic tradition is just going kind of into a luminous um, awareness place kind of like a meditation um mm -hmm. but you're going into the into the lower world which is like a protected place basically um and so we're taught how to see past lives okay so we can journey anyone's past lives so for this really? mm -hmm, for this part of the work we went to look at the originating ancestor in our family tree that caused this hook for our family for each one who was it do you want to know okay i'll yeah. tell you for each one so the abandonment issues was really interesting because I saw this ancestor who she, 
a grandma and a maze family you know was british and they came over in the 1600s on i looked this all up after because i was like what they came over on a ship like yeah. They were and like they were not on the Mayflower, but it was only like 20 years after the Mayflower. Like they were like early pale pilgrims. And then they were in, I can't I think Massachusetts or somewhere over there. But um, so the the actual matriarch that came over on that family, what I saw was her and her husband on the ship. So when you're when they're coming across on this ship from England, he has to work on the ship. And then she's kind of down below with the children and she had three babies. So like the new one was just like a newborn and then maybe like one and two or they were all under three, you know, and very early on in the voyage, I had um, that the youngest one died. I'm reading my notes because I don't really remember this anymore because we use these to come up and understand and kind of heal it. And and what I wrote down is she had two other girls, an 18 month old and maybe a three year old. She was so sad that the one died and sure the other two were going to die that she neglected them um, because she was so stuck in her own grief. And the dad was busy working. He was really sad he couldn't help them but the girls barely got anything to eat not very many hugs or love um it wasn't like that before they left because she just she was she probably had like postpartum and then she lost the baby and so she was in this place of like everyone they're just gonna die anyway like and so she just kind of mentally checked out as a flight or fight response to get her through it and so that carried forward this kind of like as a mother when things are stressful going to a mental place of kind of like checking out mentally just to get through it because you're so afraid of losing the does that resonate well yeah because you're talking about the howland side of the family yeah and that's so that's all of us and the howland i don't know much my great grandmother howland i knew very she died when i was 16 so i remember her well and her stories but she had a twin who died hmm I believe at birth. So they have abandonment themes right there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. And then, so it, and then I believe that my great grandma, my grandma and Dorothy, I think they also had a sibling that died. Yeah. So they would and have. It was only two of the two girls left that's yeah. really common too and usually that is really common to have those themes of loss and abandonment over and over and over in generations you know it dissipates as it gets farther and it was far enough down the line with us that i think by the time it got to us it just got we still had the panic of losing a baby i had the panic of losing a baby i never had that panic grandma did definitely because she and she talked about it with me when radley was little but she was always oh, terrified something was, was going to happen to all of us she was terrified raising mm-hmm. jerry terrified yeah she never had a brother. I mean, she, she, that's why he turned out the way he did, I guess. I, she thinks she failed. She really feels that she failed because she, she understands girls, but she had no understanding of that little boy. Of boys. She had yeah. her cousin John, though. I mean, like, I know. She just, I think she was just so scared to get it wrong. I definitely, that resonates for me. I think I just, um, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it's just hard, but I think that abandonment stuff. So that was the one I saw in that. The abuse thing was interesting. I saw um, like during what war was it? I'm so bad at history. That's why I know this stuff's real because I know nothing about history. So I had, I went and looked this all up later. I'm like, oh, that was a thing. So I think it was, don't make fun of me that I don't know. <laughs> was it the civil war? Like when the British and the Americans fought 
for America to become free, like the yeah. 1776 or whatever that yeah. was. Yeah. So we had an ancestor that was settled, again, Howland Line, you know, that British. Okay. Um, and they were, they, he was a colonial soldier fighting for the Americans. So, so what was interesting is, so it was like the mom and the dad and they had little kids and then we're going to fight this war for our freedom, right? To liberate ourselves as Americans. And so he fought in it and seeing it from, I was in his shoes from this. It, I know we all know about that war, but like they were literally fighting on our own soil in, in, the, yeah. in the neighborhoods we live in. And so he was just terrified. Like, it was like not even a choice to fight for these men. It was like, I have to keep my family alive. Like we, cause you know, British soldiers were just coming in. So, um, he had like this great grandfather figure of ours was just he got so messed up from that war and the trauma he was convinced they were all gonna die like there were so many times during battle that he was like there's no way we all live through this and then they're off in a battlefield somewhere and they're terrified that their home's gonna get burnt to the ground and everyone killed in it by so other soldiers you know what i mean so like the trauma from that war ended he got to go home and actually be with his family everyone was okay but he had such bad ptsd from that um that he just was never okay and i wrote like he literally just like drank and terrorized his family um and was abusive and like and was awful to his wife so um how did these things saw. come to you do you see something in your head or does it, yeah is it in your mind what, what? I can journey and like go, it's almost like a dream. So I can journey. Um, and that's what we learn how to do through clearing our own stuff and shamanism and like to just see these past, like, like Jackie did on you. And yeah. we just, I see it like a movie just play out. And, but, and then we did the exercise of stepping into those ancestors shoes and then feeling, um, what it felt like and letting go of the trauma and then bringing in the gifts. Cause each one of these brought do gifts. That? Mm -hmm. I did all this work. So each one of us brings, it brings in gifts too, you know, but so in that one, it was like the gift in that is perseverance, right? Yeah. We come from a people that can fight to protect ourselves and to, um, you know, and that, and that's really beautiful. And then getting rid of the icky parts about it. So that one was just interesting. And that's where the alcohol thing came into play because alcohol is used, I think in our family, it's been used to numb when life has been so hard, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I don't know, so that was really interesting, but it, it was this, it was, it, it set the precedent of these women dealing with kind of really icky behavior for men. Um, but you kind of understand why that great grandmother figure would have too, because she was holding space for what he had been through. And it was like, he wasn't a bad person, Absolutely. He just, but he was yeah. terrorizing his own family and all because he loved them so much. It's, it's backwards, but you know how it goes, you know? Yeah, that's very interesting. It is yeah. very interesting. Okay. And then the last one was more recent. So the physical appearance thing. I saw, I think grandma, grandma, Judy being born when she was 14 was such a big, so we knew it was a big deal because she kind of alluded to that a little, but I think it was a much bigger deal than she realized. And <clears throat> for, I think grandpa Ed's abuse was just worse than anyone realized when he drank. I, I, yeah. She never spoke about it, but it had to be there. Uh -huh. It had to be a reason that they sent him back in that day to yes. a facility. They sent him away. I know. I got that it was a lot worse than we realized, but in her mind, she was 14 when Judy was born. And then, um, and then what I saw is like when Judy and Mary Alice got a little bit older, his, 
so she was i think grandma was the brunt of his abuse and uh, grandma and may just kind of had to check out because of that other imprint she just was kind of like gone mentally yeah, even though she was there yeah. and and I'm, again i didn't know them enough to know any this is just what i saw from journeying and that um and that when judy was born and then mary alice the other cousin who's around judy's age grandma's whole thing was always like they were so much prettier they were always so much smarter it wasn't that it was his his abuse kind of diverted to them i think because grandma was getting older and they were younger and so she even though it was abuse she saw it as attention and love and i think that's when everything intervened and then he got sent away and whatever after judy and them were little that's the way i saw it but in grandma's mind she never really understood that it was abuse um it's it so it was what I wrote is um, like, that's why she always thought she wasn't as pretty or as good. Um, it really was because she didn't understand the situation she was in because she was too little. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you know, she and, and it, she couldn't go to college because the war mm -hmm. came, you know, then Judy goes to UW Madison. And so that she always thought she and my mother was very very smart she was a smart yes smart but she never felt like she was smart because well i think she judy got the education and she she didn't get that yeah i think she had soul loss from the whole like just attention completely diverting off her to judy you know and then i think everything after that it was just an echo of it basically is, is the Absolutely. way that yeah and, yeah. and if, if we were, I mean, I, you don't, I don't ever do it on anyone without their permission. So I wouldn't at this point, but, and it wouldn't be helpful to our healing. So it doesn't matter. But I bet if you journeyed grandma's past lives, she had some with similar imprints and that's why she chose this family. Cause we choose to experience the same thing. Someone. Yeah. Until why we heal we, it. Why we learn from we our do. past well, we do. and so then like, go to a better family. <laughs> Well, we do. So like in this life, I healed this, like we all healed this stuff. So at the same time I was doing this work, when we do this, when anyone does this work, you clear it for um, your entire family line, seven generations forward and back. Really? So as I was clearing that we were at, a, I think we were at a point that we weren't talking or we weren't talking as much. And um, it's interesting because even when you and I were not talking for a year and a half, um and i was working on healing like you still felt you kind of went through your own healing stuff on your own wouldn't you say like you still felt stuff and felt like what i would explain as energy moving right like you were still dealing with shit. yes yeah but mostly i was just trying to i don't know validate it i guess you know because people would ask you know how's your grandson i don't know i haven't i haven't seen him in a year and then they'd go oh my god yeah and then I, I just try to justify it well you know she's going through a hard time i don't i don't know i don't really understand but you know that's the way it is yeah but you said i think you didn't you say that but i think you were actually I, on your own you were looking at stuff like i think you were going through your own stuff maybe and not as woo woo as me but like you were thinking about things and you were i mean like you should you showed up as a different person a year and a half later yeah yeah i must have 
But maybe that was your doing. No, it was yours. But we're all interconnected because I'm spiritual enough to believe we're all one energy. But Maybe so. But I still think that whole thing, how I found you is very, very weird. And uh, I have a lady across the street, another Kathy, who hasn't talked to her daughter for um, 18 months now. And so that's how long we were. Yeah. How did you find me? I don't think I really know. I thought Andy gave you my address. No, he didn't have your address either. He did. I did. That's why I was mad at him. I thought he gave it to oh, you. No, 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 no. But she came over and, and I told her what I did. But anyway, no, I went through the, the, the white pages. Um, yeah. Internet and um, very hard to find you. You were buried very, very deep. But I finally found the new address. And on I found that address. And on the, the next Saturday, I had to go to De Pere to Carrie, who reported to me at Humana. Her wedding shower was in De Pere. And I had just found your address, which was De Pere. Yeah. So I, I put it in my phone and I, I went to the shower. Mm-hmm. And then I... Um, so I, that's, and that's like two hours, yeah, away. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, but I had the address. So I... After the shower, I sat in my car and got pulled up the address. And then I, I sat there, I bet, for 20 minutes. To, then finally, I just put it in my GPS and yeah. said, I'll just drive by. So I, I look at this, and literally, I was seven minutes away from your house. Yeah. Now, isn't that weird? Depends on what you believe. I think there was some divine intervention there. Yeah. I'm just saying may not have been yeah but the beauty of this story is you have a roundabout before you turn into your subdivision yeah so the people behind me must have thought i was i went around that roundabout 17 times <laughs> what? round and around and ate up about five minutes of my time uh-huh. just going around uh-huh. because i didn't know how far i didn't have far to go if i went out of the roundabout then i would probably have to stop yeah so then i finally went out of the roundabout and that's that I just knocked on the door. That was pretty gutsy of you. <laughs> very good. Well, I'm your mother. You're very brave. Yeah, well. I know. I know. And that's what people tell me. She could have shot you. I wouldn't have <laughs> shot you. I wasn't going to well, shoot just you. Saying, they don't know you, but they're just saying. I mean, I said I, I didn't really know what I'd find on the other side. I, maybe she wouldn't, wouldn't let me in. I don't know. In but hindsight, I didn't even think about that because I really wasn't sure I was going to stop. I thought I, you told, I thought you texted Andy or Jim and said, if I get arrested, you have to come get over somebody. I thought probably, you told, probably something like that. Well, I, I was not in a place. Well, cause I was working on boundaries and quite frankly, we had terrible boundaries. We didn't have boundaries before that. I don't think either one of us knew what they were and that wasn't our fault, but like we were just. I have to have all these boundaries. Well, because they keep us safe and safe and healthy, but I know. <laughs> We, we my boundaries were not unsafe you weren't doing anything wrong but for me personally i i needed more space we were we were so i, I don't it wasn't healthy for us to be that close all the time like it was just like it was the point where i didn't know my own voice from yours like i really oh. didn't we were best friends you weren't doing it intentionally to hurt me but like i I just I didn't know your your hypercritical voice from my hypercritical voice. You know what I mean? Like it was just um yeah. and and we're two different people. And I want I needed to understand who I was and I couldn't do that because 
we were our senses of self were so enmeshed in my perspective i just didn't know who i was that's not uncommon in daughters and mothers but it's unhealthy yeah but it is it is pretty common it's very common you got it you have to know who you are so you can you you didn't have that with your mom you you moved away to school you knew you wanted to be a nurse you knew what i I went to yeah but i couldn't i couldn't buy a couch without having you pick it out i couldn't do anything without asking you and it irritated you as much as it did me well i kind of enjoyed it (laughs) that one incident where you got how many couches and none of them fit in your house that was on that was irritating (laughs) i but so i but so i took this space and it was it was both hard but it was you know that was a rough time for me and then i got that job up in green Bay, so we moved and then i got divorced and like i did that all alone so that was a lot and i had been through a lot and that was probably healthy for you then do you feel like you accomplished something by moving and getting yes and getting divorced all on your own yeah and I, I i could have never left i just it was i needed it it was i know it was a rough year for you um it was a very rough year for me but it was the best thing I, it's just the way it had to happen i'm glad really? but i don't know that i would have felt safe enough to reach out had you not really fought for us and i know that you did and i love you for that because it really yeah it i was a little choked up but yeah, I don't know. I was too afraid. I didn't know how to do it and keep myself safe because um, I was so bad at boundaries. So, I mean, I think when I got to the shamanism part about ancestry, I would have because we learned that you eventually have to bury the habit, hatchet and just be in each other's lives. And so that's I just I figured if it went on really Radley eventually would would find me somehow. Yeah, if he got older. If, yeah, you know, it got into his he was OK for decades. He, um, but yeah, it, um, I had to do it for me. I couldn't parent Randley the way I was. And it was the only way for me to heal myself, honestly. So as selfish as it was, I, I had to, but when you reach out, I, it was a f- interesting day. So by that point I was still working full time in my finance job. Yeah. And then on Saturdays on weekends, I mean, I had no life. I was divorced. So I would just work all day. So I usually I had back to back clients on zoom doing tarot all day Saturdays. And that particular Saturday, that was a time in my career where I was very busy when I got there. No, I wasn't sleeping. (laughs) I was just resting. I was just meditating. But I was very busy. And um, that particular day, I didn't book out and I was kind of ticked about it. But so but I was I now I know everything has a reason because if i would have been on zoom i literally wouldn't have been able to even answer the door you know but so that day i was just sitting on the couch like wow and randy wasn't there which was a good he wa- thing he wasn't there he was with his dads yeah and so yeah. i answered and then we were able to talk a little and it was nice yeah. it was a lot of crying on both ends but it was i tell a lot of because a lot of my clients have had these complicated relationships with their mothers and that's why i wanted to do this interview first because a lot of people want to hear it like there is a way you can get through it but you both just kind of have to let go of all your shit so you can just be in each other's lives that's right and my my friend that lives across the street when i told her this story she she went to her daughter and she had gifts for her grandson because one graduated from high school and yeah her daughter opened the door and she gave her the gifts for the boys and then her daughter says uh, and she said kevin said well can i can we come in and can I, can we talk and can we get together? And she said, I'll have to think about it. Yeah. She's not ready. Yeah. I I think the best thing I can say as like a daughter, having gone through it, if you have friends there is I think universally, every time I hear a story like this from the other side, 
the daughter wants the mother in your life they just don't know how to do it like so i think the best thing anyone can do on both sides is like i love you but i just i we have to be in a place where i know no one's going to be critical of anyone because i think mothers and your mom did that to you and it drove you nuts too oh it drove me crazy drove me crazy really. she was very critical of you very everything yes very proud of me but but i don't know how she could be critical i don't know she was she was always critical yeah but that's kind of the same way i feel but then i found myself doing it to radley too and that's why i knew yeah, i had I think a I was ever very critical of you. mother you <laughs> literally i'll tell you you're there is not been an, now you're not but before no. still there's not an opportunity I something through that time too because i guess i have changed my whole well yes but you also there's not enough like anytime we're with other people you at least once have to bring up my weight so so that people know that you're not okay with okay, it. you so love me but you're not okay with it i'm, I'm a little bit of my aunt jenny yeah Okay, so there's that. Um, little things that stick out. Like, remember the time we we're at the spa in the waiting room, um, and we were we we're here in Green Bay. We we're at the Kohler Spa yeah. with all those women, and they were like, "What do you do for work?" And that was I was like, "Oh, I'm a director of finance for Fortune 500 company." And they were like, "Oh, that's impressive." And and oh. you were quiet, and you said, "I still don't know why how you got that job." Because you can't handle your finances. What, well, uh, mother? Like, but yeah, you are. That was wrong. That one was time, wrong. one time when I asked you to help me with Radley after work, when I was working at Perlick, you were like, why are you in trouble? Do you have to stay after? I was a finance <laughs> leader. I reported to the CFO. I was not in trouble. Like you I, always, I don't think you ever understood what I did for work. I didn't understand. No, no. I, 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 so I should be very proud of you getting to where you were without even getting your bachelor's degree. You just Yeah, did that I never finished it. Yeah. You just, you just, you know, did that all on your own. I know. But that's the thing. Like, why not just story? Because I was with Dave and and Dave and Pam a few weeks ago, and they were talking about Jenny always, you know, complaining about Allie's weight, you yeah. know, and your weight. Uh, she always lumped you together. I am really. And she was concerned. Yeah. She wasn't being. Well, she was being critical. Oh no! When I remember when I lost a bunch, she was like, "Ange, I just have to say, I'm really glad you lost all that weight. It wasn't healthy for you." I go, Jenny, I'm probably yeah. healthier than you. Literally. I, yeah, I know. But that's how she felt. Yeah. But David turned around and goes, yeah, she said that all the time. And look at me. I'm fat. And she <laughs> told me I was fat. I know. I said, but you know, that that's, that's a generation thing. You can say things about your grandchildren or to your grandchildren that you're not going to say to your own children. Mm, I think this is just different of the, I think it's, but that's well, a, a lot of, hey, that's the way it was. Yeah. I think the message is like, don't, if you want, so, at some point, if you want people in your life, you've got to leave the butt out, yeah. you know, just, I love yeah. you. And I'm proud of you. Not, yeah. but, but your but, weight is concerning. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know how you got that job, but you know what I mean? Like, just leave that part. You can think of it. You don't have to, that's why boundaries are helpful. You don't have to say all the mean fucking things in your head. That's right. And just forget the word, but yeah, just I get think rid that's of the butts. thing. Get rid of the butts. Get rid of the butts. I know, but it's all like, do you see how, like, it's, it's all just generational stuff. Like, that's why I love shamanism because it helps make sense of it. And yeah. I learned from my past life stuff that I have just this whole pattern of victim mentality. So that's why I experience everything so much worse than it really was. Like, you weren't really doing anything that bad ever. I just felt it in such a way because of my own trauma from past life stuff. And that's why Andy doesn't feel it like that because he's really not, it's not he, a thing no, for him. No. 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 It's hey, Steve O'Kedi died. You remember the O'Kedis? Paul O'Kedi? 
Steve O'Kane. Yeah, but I don't know who Steve was. He at my age? Or the dad? No, no, this is Paul's middle. Yeah, brother. I do remember. Yeah. He died. Okay. This week. I'm sorry. I don't know, but I don't Andy know. called me to tell me that. That's well, sad. That's losing a child. It's going back to your losing a child abandonment. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. not our family, but yeah. Poor Pam. Well, I know. I <laughs> this is a great thank you for telling me someone died. <laughs> yeah, someone died. Well, I just thought maybe you knew him. No, I mean you probably did, but you just don't remember. I'm we're in our forties now. People yeah. start going. That happens. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. So. I know. So, oh, so do you, you still do this now? Are you going to um I'm I'm gonna put it on a pot where podcasts go. They'll hear us but not see us. Yeah. What so now do you still understand what I do or no for work? What you do now. Yes, I do. I don't I did not say anything to help you understand. You're just saying Yes, you did. No. No, no, no. No, no. Well, that was part of the work, the ancestral stuff. I just thought it was I think that the journey the thing where you you know, we were seeing ancestor things, that's interesting to me. I still think with the one-on-ones, you tell them just whatever that, whatever they want to hear. But I mean, that's just me. You may have some, yes, I can see that people be back to you on June 14th. I hate you. Was... At two. <laughs> Mother, thank you. Yes, I understand. I understand. No, the the biggest thing I do is people want to know if their exes are coming back. And I say, yeah. don't, fu- don't fucking text them. I swear at people. Yeah, and you yeah. hate swearing. I do, but you I find it sometimes, sometimes you you need to have that blunt statement. I know when I was first saw my attorney for my divorce, the first thing my attorney said to me was, "He does not like you. He will never like you. Mm. You have to filter out. You're going to hear crap that he says and things that he does and what the attorney says, and you have to look at him like the enemy." interesting it's true i pass it on to a lot of people i had to pass it on to someone this morning one of my one of my applied teachers friends is deciding if she wants a divorce or not for on a husband that she's been cheated on for 10 years yeah i said what what there's no there's nothing to think i know (laughs) Well, for you, hey, locks. You so go to the phone. Well, you don't have a phone book now, but I went to the phone book, and the first locksmith that started with an A. That's the one I called, <laughs> and they changed. They changed. That was done. Done. Mother, yeah. Going to do all this crap. I don't know what she's going to do, but that's it's like, you're an Aries sun and a Leo rising. Your astrology supports your movement on that, but yeah, oh, she's probably an air sign or a water sign. So she's just. I would just be sitting around like I don't know. Like I, I didn't leave for 13 years. I just I don't know what I want to yeah, do. Yeah. yeah, see, it's funny that that Marie thought of me only because uh, this couple had been together for 16 years. Like Jim and I had been together for 30 years. Now you, yeah. you know, we wanted to make sure it was yeah. That we were good for each other. <laughs> after, after thirty years, you know. After thirty years, we figured you we can could get, get married. married. It's safe. So yeah. we've been married for what four or five. They've been married for six. Yeah. And and sh- I, I'm sure. I said, you know, you know before you know. She knew something way. You back. have to trust yeah. your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, but you don't. You as a wife, you don't. You don't want to. Nope. Nope. It's it's okay. I am crazy. Yep. Like he says, I am. Yep. You're just. Oh, that's crazy can't tell you how many times you told me that oh yeah it's just crazy see no. people come to you for random relationships all, all the time well all you're a libra moon yeah that why 
yeah your aries sun leo uh leo rising libra moon it's interesting but yeah it's i, I can't tell you how many people that i go like the, the girl that did that your facials that i go to everyone's like oh my gosh i have i your mother changed my life with this thing she like people are always people that know you are randomly just saying i think it's so i mean our stories help people that's all i do do it's just it's just life stories you know that's all i do too i guess i've been i don't know I don't know. I just give them my experience. You know how when somebody like it just happened with us, when somebody says something and it reminds you of a story. So for me, I know with my clients that when that happens, that story, that experience that I lived, me telling them is meant to help them with their own yeah. journey. And yeah. so that's really all I do. That's and that and I can't tell. And it's just what people come to me for. It's what I yeah, that's what I do for work. Isn't that crazy? That's why we're doing the podcast now, because somebody might listen to this and it might help them with something. I don't know or won't. But I've learned to, and I'll say, I, 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 not from a place of ego, but um, I don't know why I do any of this. I, I, I like even this podcast. People want me to do it, so I'll do it. I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to get this onto uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I just bought this headset and microphone. Um, <laughs> I do what the people ask me and it seems to be profitable, you know, so uh, and like, and not, I'm not swimming in it, but I, I can pay the bills by with my nonsense instead of having to put on yeah. pants every day. So, um, but what I've learned is, you know, a year and a half later, I have clients who you never know what someone's going through on the day that they find you. And, um, I've already heard things about, I had one of my, one of the girls that was on my live, I go live on TikTok. I don't know if I told you last Remember, I skipped a lot of the holidays because I said, I just got to go live on TikTok. I feel like people need me because it's a sad oh, time for people yeah. who don't have people. So I was on live every holiday and we were, we had our whole group and we we're silly and, you know, whatever. And I, you know, I make money off, off of doing tarot on them too. But anyway, a year later, she just shared on an Insta reel, she shared her story for mental health awareness. She had actively planned to kill herself on New Year's Eve in December. And um, she ended up not... But it was a whole litany of things that came together for her. Um, one of which, she was taking my classes, um, you know, on uh, on on shadow work, and that was part of her journey. And then just being in the lives and having people to talk to and having that sense of community. Um, Isn't that something? I, I had no idea, and I'm like, but you know, here I am, just showing up. I love you so much. You're doing so good to strangers all day. <laughs> I don't know. They might not be doing good. I, I don't. Do maybe, I don't. I do it. But it's real. It's how it, it's. Totally it, it's like you're weird i'd say <laughs> but i'm not judgmental like you i really am not and you know that i I do love everyone and i see the best in everyone so i get what a great way for me to use my time but yeah that's yeah. why i like this work because i you don't know honestly i may look like an asshole and everyone's like why is she doing that i don't care if five million people hate me if one person like can improve their life because of one little weird thing i share i think it's worth it i think and it's happened right Yes, it's already happened. Remember when I was little, um, it makes me, this is so sappy, but remember my favorite book, it's right over there, is um, Miss Rumpheus. That's yes, the one. Yes, the purple flowers. So because it said in the end, like one of the things you do before you die is you find a way to make the world more beautiful. Well, there you go. And I, I found my thing. And as silly as it is, I just yeah. feel very fortunate, you know? You're lucky. You're very lucky. You got to do what you love. You yeah. know, I love, I love being a nurse. I mean, I just, I knew that I couldn't have been like my brother who went to work for how many years, hating, hating every day he worked for the state of Wisconsin. Hating. Yeah.
yeah we that, all was reflected, that was reflected in his co-workers because i don't know pam hornets talked to some people who worked with him and he had terrible anger issues up there terrible. well i mean there's his experience in there so i think that's even he loves his life that he has now and so wherever with the means you to use to get there like he was able to retire early and go live in hawaii yeah. and that's all he wanted to do so he's living in beauty now you know uh, he's moving back to florida oh well building a house in, uh, next door to the house that he sold well how about how about we frame it as he's chasing happiness right there you go he's chasing happiness yes yeah <sighs> all right he doesn't well, my... want to be in a condo anymore because he's not in control he he wants he doesn't want any association telling him what to do so make sense back. all right i gotta go get rad from school but i love you thank you for yeah. being my first podcast interview yes you can invite me back anytime. I will, mother. We'll have you interview other people maybe if, about your lives. I, if I go viral, I, I want to know. Okay. All right, say hi to Rand. All right, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>